Well, hey, friends, welcome to the Everyday Mulemanship Podcast. I'm Ty Evans. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, it's just so good to to be back on here again today to talk about some mules and talk about our, our latest clinic in Driggs, Idaho. We just finished that up a couple days ago. Uh, great clinic. Uh, boy, it was hot, though. Man, somebody turned up the temperature in the west here. Uh, usually this time of year we're putting on a hoodie or a jacket and and uh, it's nice and cool but but boy we uh we burned up there in Driggs Idaho and that's and that's crazy because it's right there at the base of the Tetons man if you've never been to the Tetons there in Idaho and Wyoming you got to go uh, they are it's so beautiful just that mountain range is my favorite set of mountains right there i love those mountains it's so incredible so crazy rugged sharp steep super cool mountain so anyways we sure enjoyed our time hanging out there you know uh such a pretty valley and you know always great people show up there we had we had folks from all over come to that clinic though there was actually only like like three or four locals and the rest of the clinic was all from montana utah uh, Wyoming, Colorado, Washington, Oregon, like people came pretty far and wide, uh, you know, it's kind of a destination place, I'd say, you know, it's, it sure is pretty. So, um, but we had the, uh, quite the variety there, you know, we had horses, mules, and donkeys show up too, which I really love when all three creatures show up to the clinic. Um, you know, a lot of you have heard me say this for years. If you really want to know mules, learn about donkeys and horses more. Uh, The more we know about the horses and the donkeys, the more we can understand these creatures called the mule. And, you know, it's uh, it's pretty fun watching, watching, uh, you know, both, uh, you know, the horses and the donkeys kind of process through things. And by watching those two, you can... You can see, uh, you know, where a lot of the mule attributes come from. And, you know, every mule is a little different. Some mules are, are just like their donkey dads. And a lot of mules are just like their horse mothers. Uh, and then you get a bunch that's somewhere in between there and, and pretty unique. Uh, but it's, it's, it's fun to see that, you know. Um, and I, I'm enjoying this part of my career a lot. You know, the, when I very first started hitting the road doing clinics uh, about 10 years ago, um, you know, I was definitely known as uh, the mule guy for sure. You know, I'm definitely definitely the mule guy. Um, and, you know, as, as I've gone through this career now, I'm getting a lot of donkeys come to the clinics and a lot of horses too. In a typical year, we'll have, I'd say, approximately 500 plus mules come through the classes, and maybe one or 200 horses come through the classes, and probably not even 50 donkeys come through. You know, less than 50. So mules are definitely prevalent for for what we do, and I mean, that is our specialty. We say it's you know it's Ty Evans Mulemanship Clinics. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I do enjoy more, more donkeys and horses coming because 
it, it shows the other participants, particularly the ones with just mules, you know, where a lot of these behaviors are coming from and they can, it, it helps them to, to kind of work through things. I had a question come up this week at, at the clinic in Driggs. Um, I think my answer was pretty surprising to the, the individual that asked it, but she asked me, you know what, why, why do you prefer mules? And my answer was kind of, I said, oh, I, I don't necessarily prefer mules. Um, and she kind of looked at me funny. And I said, would you like me to elaborate? And she said, yeah, please do. I'm like, okay. So I was really blessed, you guys, to, to grow up with mules and horses. And my dad even had a, a few donkeys throughout my childhood now and again. And, you know, we were around them for sure. So I was able to grow up around all three creatures. And I never really knew that people had biases towards horses or mules uh, and donkeys and such until later on, really till high school. And people kind of teased about, you know, why do you have the mules, you know? And, you know, why do you like the mules so much, you know? And um, why don't you, I remember one kid, why don't you like horses? And I said, I do like horses. Well, why do you ride that mule? Well, you know, because we got hired to train this mule. That's the deal. Uh, so my dad was a cult starter primarily. And he got into some mules and started training mule colts. And as most of you probably know, uh, finding a mule trainer, even, you know, 30 years ago, was was definitely challenging. It's still challenging now uh, to find a mule trainer uh, locally for most people. And my dad was willing to take mules in. So my dad became the mule guy, even though he was primarily a horse trainer. He was willing to take mules in. So mule guy he became. And as I began working for him, of course, uh, we kept taking mules. And then when I kind of took over the training operation deal, uh, of course, I was, I was still the mule guy. And, and it just seemed like from then on over the years... Uh, I got less calls for horses and more calls for mules. And before you know it, I'm like training, you know, uh, 99 mules uh, to every one horse, you know. And now I'm the mule guy. Uh, but I do love a good horse, and I and I really like the donkeys. I think donkeys are really cool creatures, um, you know, and... Just depending on what you're doing would be the way you would pick the animal. For me, at this point in my life, my my main interests are are trail riding, working cows on the mountain. I'm talking about ranch work, and packing, and getting into the backcountry. So the mules fit trail riding, ranching, packing perfectly where I'm at. Okay, now if you said, uh, you know, well, let's go, let's go team rope competitively, uh, or let's go uh, do some competitive cutting, um, you know, or 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 go to some of these ranch versatility shows or working ranch horse shows or these type of things, or these rain cow horse shows. Um, yeah, I'm probably gonna pick a horse if I want to be competitive at that at that higher level okay but for the work that i'm doing i just the mule fits me wonderful and i love my mules and i love 
I just love how the mules process, but um, I think a lot of people, uh, and, and you know, it's nothing wrong if, if you do, if you're a hundred percent all mule and you don't like horses, whatever you, you do you. And there's lots of people that just like horses and don't like mules. Okay. I don't, I don't really care. You know, you do whatever you want. But for me, I, I really appreciate all the creatures. I just, I enjoy a good mule. I enjoy a good horse. I enjoy playing with the donkeys. Um, you know, they're all just super special to me and I enjoy all of them. So, uh, anyways, that was kind of an interesting question that came up that I thought I'd share kind of my thoughts on that. Um, you know, and I like to be versatile too, you know, definitely I became the mule guy. That's what we've based our business off of is, is mulemanship for sure. But, uh, I want you to know if you're listening out there and you have a horse, um, you're welcome to come to class. You know, if you're listening out there and you have a donkey, you're welcome to come to class. Uh, and you can ask those that have been to my classes, um, and they'll tell you, you know, when I, when I'm giving instruction, I give no different instruction for the, the mule people, the horse people, or the donkey folks, no different instructions. It's all the same instructions. We do the same things. We're working from the same place. One of my favorite quotes, um, from Tom Dorrant is, you have to treat the mule the way you should treat the horse. And you can plug in donkey in there too. But you have to treat the mule the way you should treat the horse. And, uh, you know, so, so these, this, this style of mulemanship, the style of horsemanship that we're presenting to you uh, is so applicable to horses, mules, and donkeys. So come one, come all. We'd love to have you. All right? So... Uh, just a few highlights from the clinic in Driggs. Uh, for one, I appreciated the work ethic, even though it was really hot. And uh, we were also kind of kind of tight in in the lower arena. We the upper arena, which is really huge, it had some obstacles in it, and it was just like powdered dust, terrible, and harder to get water to. And he did put water on it; it'd just be mud. And the lower arena was a smaller arena, um, but it had uh, good sand in it, and we could water the whole thing and not have it just turn into mud and muck. So we we voted to um, go to the lower arena for the clinic, and it was a little squishy in there. And a lot of times when it's a little squishy for folks and they don't have, you know, a, a giant fairground size arena, a big rodeo arena, um, a lot of people end up just kind of standing around and that really bugs me uh, when, when we're there to work and people are just kind of standing around and, and there were a few that just kind of stood around a lot. Um, but there was a lot that just kept working and I appreciated that because between it being hot and squishy, it was kind of hard for folks to want to keep working for sure. So anyways, I did appreciate the folks that worked hard. Um, now. There was a little bit of trouble in the foundation class from day one. Um, but this is <clears throat> what the story I'm about to tell you here is one of the best, um, I mean, most improved stories <laughs> that we've had in quite a while. So day one, um, one of the participants had a mule that was absolutely ridiculous herd bound, like so bad so 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 bad herd bound what what it was 
this individual brought her mule, but the mule's attached to the horse. So she brought the horse along as well. Now she didn't use the horse in the clinic or anything at all. She just used the mule. And, uh, what she would do is she would leave that horse up in the, up in the, the paddock and just take that mule or try to take that mule away. And this mule was ridiculous herd bound and absolutely all over this woman, just completely running her over. Um, the, the mule had no regard for human life at all. We were, you know, humans were just the lowly creatures in the way of her getting back to her horse. And so as she, she's just trying to get this mule to, on day one, just trying to get this mule to leave the horse. And she can't get it with her halter and her, just her rope, her rope halter and lead rope. So, um, she goes and grabs a chain halter. Okay. And, um, and she's trying to lead this thing even with a chain and it's dragging around even with a chain. And so, uh, I, I noticed this happening. And so I go over to help her. I'm going to help her lead this mule down. The first thing I do is take off that chain halter. And I asked her, what, what are your goals? What do you want to do? I want this mule to lead nicely and, and be soft on this lead rope. Okay. You know, it's, it's very contradicting for you to say you want this mule real soft and light and then put a chain on it. That's, you, you, that's not how we're going to get this done. You know, and she said, well, I can't lead it without this chain. I said, well, let me work through things for a second. And I, I let it down to the arena, but you know, the, the, the chain is not the answer. You know, we, we can't, it's, it's really hard to combat brace with brace. If you, if you want to get rid of the brace, don't give the mule anything to brace on. And so instead of trying to drag, which is what the typical person will do, when they can't get a mule to follow them, they just drag them. Okay, that's that's what the novice does or the, the person that's never really got past kindergarten with their learning with, with their animals. They'll just want to drag them everywhere. Okay, uh, well, I don't want that for my mule because I know I'm going to get those same type of responses, that same type of quality when I'm in the saddle as well. So I want to be able to lead this thing. So if I can't, if the mule's not willing to follow me, what I'm going to do is, is do a lot of driving. And that's kind of what I did with this mule was kind of drive it. You know, I, we weren't able to do like moving half circles or anything like that. The mule didn't have that education level, but I was able to kind of drive the mule along as I went. And anyways, that first morning, that poor Brittany was just getting thrashed by this mule, uh, just getting beat up. And anyways, I, I helped her multiple times with this individual mule. And the first day was just a wreck for her, just a challenge. And that poor gal was, was totally beat up. She was so exhausted. She, th this lady was so exhausted and, and beat up from this meal, trying to work through this, this stuff that she, I mean, she got sick. She got sick, uh, you know, um, just having a hard time. And, and the meal was challenging too. I mean, no doubt it was challenging for me to work through some of this stuff. Okay. And I'm, I'm the one that, uh, that's supposed to know what I'm doing here and, and be the professional, you know, and it, it was challenging for me. So it's hard for me. That poor gal was having a heck of a time. Okay. Anyways, we worked through this, the, that session the best we could helping her out. She worked hard, uh, maybe too hard. Um, and I, I helped her bring that meal, uh, back up to the, her pen that afternoon. We actually left the meal tied up there. There's a hitching rail right outside the arena. And I said, just let that mule stand there for this afternoon during the mealmanship one class. Just let it stand there. And she did. And 
anyways, I give her her homework and she did her homework. She did the homework. So I was super proud of her for wanting to work hard and, and put in the effort there. And, uh, anyways, the second day was a little bit better. She could actually do most of the, the moves and the maneuvers and work through the exercises. And then day three was just amazing. And what a turnaround by day three, she was doing all the moves that everybody else was doing. Now she, you know, I'm not, not saying that she did them perfect. She has work to do for sure, but she was able to do all those moves. And I was just incredible. I, I was, I was incredibly amazed at the progress and the changes that she made in that mule. It was so cool. And that's what keeps me going down the road is when I show up and I see somebody with, she, she worked herself almost, well, she did work herself sick. You know, she worked hard. There's so many quitters out there. There's so many people that just get so close to success and they can't take it and they quit. And this person was willing to put in that effort and she hung in there and stayed with it. So, uh, her name is Brittany. Good job, Brittany. I'm really, really proud of you. So that was kind of my, that was kind of the highlight of the week for me. And that's, you know, it's things like that to just keep me going down the road. I just, I just love it. I know there's always at least one person that really makes the changes and puts the effort in. There's a few other highlights that I need to, need to mention. Um, you know, there's some people that have been coming to these clinics for quite a few years. My friend Brennan Rasmussen was there and he brought his mule, Viona. Now, Brennan was pretty quiet the whole time and he's just a good guy, Brennan is. And, uh, you know, he didn't, doesn't ask a lot of questions or anything, but he works hard. And uh, if you, if you've, uh, if you think you recognize that name, you've probably seen his videos, um, his video on my video library of uh, helping getting getting the mule ready to catch. We used this mule years ago on the catching video. And uh, anyways, I've seen Brandon and Viona over these years and stuff and seen him work through things. And, and he made a lot of progress. And that was pretty neat. Um, you know, other other folks that, that have been coming a long time that uh, have done a good job. You know, Amy Klingler and her mule Hazel uh made a lot of progress but she had a little glitch the first day she rode her donkey lacy in the mulemanship class and her donkey uh th this this is a donkey that she's basically just kind of gotten and, and had to restart a little bit to get to the standards that we're looking for and you know it's taken her a while to work through this stuff with the donkey and she did the first day of the mulemanship class and she came up after and asked me she's like do you mind if i go get my mule i you know, and we were cruising in this mulemanship class. We had, uh, I mean, the majority of the people had already ridden with me and or were very dedicated followers and had seen videos and listened to this podcast and all that. So we had a really amazing group of people and we were cruising. We got a lot of stuff done in that three days. And um, anyways, uh so Amy says, you know, I, I feel like I'm kind of getting left behind here with this donkey. And I'm like, well, yeah, but it's okay. You know, just work from where you're at. And she says, yeah, but I've done this beginning, these few beginning steps so many times. I, I know this stuff. I want to learn the, the advanced, you know, the, the, this, the next pieces down this, down this line. I don't want to get left behind. I don't want to miss out on this. And, and, uh, you know, my advice is always what, well, you know, just work from where the, the mule, the donkey, the horse is at. 
but she wanted to learn more and she didn't want to have to sit there on day three working on day one stuff, which is what a lot of people end up doing. You know, especially folks that are unfamiliar, they don't haven't seen the videos and they, you know, they haven't kind of prepped themselves. They just show up brand new and that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. Um, they just don't quite get, uh, you know, to partake of the, the stuff toward day three because they're kind of still working on the previous things, which is just fine. But she didn't want to do that. She wanted to learn the new stuff and push forward. So said, well, go get Hazel. And uh, Hazel's a meal that, that she she's had since a cult and she started and, and has done a great job with. And and uh, anyway, so she, she went and got Hazel and uh, worked through a lot of this stuff and did a great job. And, and so I thought, I better share that on the podcast too, you know. Um, the, the mule you bring, the donkey you bring, the horse you bring, will really dictate what you kind of learn in class, what you get to work on. Um, not everybody gets to keep up and do the same exact exercises. Um, and this is fine. Nothing wrong with that. I tell everybody, you know, work from where your animal's at. Uh, if the mule, if the animal is not ready to move on, well, keep working at those pieces and just watch the other stuff and, and see what you can try to retain. And then, you know, you, maybe you're not there today, but you might be there next week. So pay attention to it. And a lot of people either, you know, they, they feel left behind. So they kind of just quit, quit on me a little bit and just kind of hang out the rest of class and don't really do much. Um, there's some that, they do keep working from where they're at and that's great, but they don't pay attention to the other stuff at all because they're not there yet. And they kind of miss out on stuff that they, you know, they might be to next week. And uh, so it's kind of hard to find that balance. But anyways, Amy did a good job there. So I wanted to mention that because a lot of people come and, and they're not sure about the level, you know, uh, the, the short story is do the best you can with where your animal's at. Always work from where your mule is at. But it's okay to look ahead and learn yourself, retain the information so that you can apply it later on. There are so many uh, great people, um, you know, to, to mention. A lot of a lot of people did a really good job. We had some some folks there with some youngsters. Uh, there was three cults there. Nick had a cult named Eli. Monique had a cult named Wesley, um, and Wallene had a cult named Rose. And uh, these these folks were all preparing these colts to ride. You know, and they asked, when is when will they be ready to ride? How do we know they're ready to ride? Basically, after you can do all the steps in the foundation class. If you can do all those steps in the foundation class, it's time to get on. Um, except if they're too little. <laughs> so for Nick, uh, he had one that's just two years old, just a little guy. Eli was. Um, Okay, he could do he could do all of it. He had the foundation class done. Like he was good. He was prepared, looking really good. The the mule, as far as education level, will be ready to ride, but it's just too small. It's not mature enough yet, not quite old enough yet. And so he I, he said, well, what do I do? I said, just keep maintaining what you have, keep working on it, get it sharp, you know. And I added a few other things, like you know, let him carry a snaffle bit, let him carry that saddle and things like that. But just maintain what you have that way when he's three or four and he's big enough and, and, uh, mature enough for you to start, you can go ahead and step on him and, and get going from there. But it's hard to be patient when you've raised the mule and, and prepped the mule like that. Uh, a lot of good folks, 
you know, Elaine with Mariah made a lot of progress. Um, you know, we had a few horses there, uh, and, uh, you know, a few donkeys there. And, and anyways, it, all in all, it was a great clinic and really enjoyed everybody. I, I could probably make comments on everybody and we could learn from them, but I'm not going to do that today. Um, uh, we're going to get to some listener questions. So we're going to take a quick break right now and thank one of our sponsors. And when I come back, uh, we'll get to some questions and a little thought, a little thought for the day. So we'll be right back. Hey, I want to thank our amazing sponsors at Mules and More magazine. Mules and More has been around a long time. It's a great magazine. And uh, shoot, I've been reading this magazine since I was just a little kid. I remember my dad subscribed to this when I was little and I'd read it every month and loved it. And now uh, our good friend Corey Daniels has taken over as editor of this magazine the last few years, and she has done an amazing job. Um, also, did you know that Meals More comes in a digital format? You can download it on your phone, read it wherever you're at. So, hey, be sure to check them out, mealsmore.com. And, uh, you know, hey, tell them Ty sent you. I'd be very grateful. Mealsmore.com. Okay, we're back, and one of the questions I have today actually came from one of the participants in the clinic in Driggs, Idaho. Uh, this question comes from uh, Donnie LaBelle, and he he had some trouble with with his mule, Jesse, in the groundwork class, wanting to bolt real bad. And basically, anytime he'd put too much pressure on, this mule would, would go to bolting and there's a few reasons for that, and we discussed it in the clinic with him, but one of the main reasons was putting too much pressure on when in the wrong angle. If you guys, when you're doing your groundwork, if you are too far ahead of that shoulder, too far behind the shoulder, and you add a bunch of a bunch of uh, accelerant to that, you're, you're going to develop the bolt, and that's kind of what happened to him. Uh, too much pressure in this mule bolted multiple times and he had to work through that. But his, his, his question is, um, Ty, should I do some of this groundwork in my round pen rather than the arena or stick to the bigger area? And Donnie, I would highly recommend that you do your groundwork in a round pen. Um, that way, if, if you accidentally get in these wrong positions and stuff and the mule does kind of want to take off, it's a smaller area for you. Um, and you can just tone it, just turn the volume back down and relax and, and reset rather than getting drug around in a big old arena. So do this in a round pen. Now, the problem with, with the round pen, the only thing I'll say about this is if you guys work in the round pen, a lot of times people don't use as much intention and they will just kind of float around the whole round pen and they don't realize that they're not actually directing the mule. The mule's just kind of bopping around in the round pen there. So make sure you are intentional about the track you're putting your mule on while doing the groundwork. You're intentional about where you're sending that mule. You're trying to keep them centered in that imaginary box that we talked about. So yeah, Donnie, for sure. Uh, work in the round pen until you kind of get some of that, um, some of that bolting stuff fixed up, you know, and we've talked a lot about that. Um, 
the topic comes up a lot because a lot of people bring their horses to me and their mules to me in the foundation class because of the bolting. And oh my gosh, if if we can just if if more people would just start correctly from the beginning and truly teach these animals how to lead, it's the very first step in the groundwork. The very first stinking piece, clear in the front. If we can just work through that little piece and further back yet, there's so many people that when they when they start to halter break a youngster, they drag it around and they teach resistance right off the bat. When I when I halter break a, a, a baby, I do not put tension in that rope. And this is the hardest thing for people to wrap their brains around is don't pull on those youngsters. So I will pick up that rein. There will be slack in the rein even as I have it picked up. And I will be directing the mule to go to the right or to the left. And if when they don't go, I will drive them a little bit, put a little pressure in there and drive them. So they get driven toward the slack. So they learn that the slack, when I pick up on that rein, that slack is a desirable place to go. But so many people pull on them, and the first thing the mule does is say no, and the the person just hangs in there, and they wait till the mule finally gives and comes forward, and then they release. Now, they think they're doing a great thing. And if that's the minimum, I guess, okay, it's better than nothing. Um, at least you waited. But you can avoid so much trouble by not hanging on them, not even teaching them to ever say the word no. And when people do it that in that method, the first thing that the mule does say is no uh, by pulling back and hanging back. So anyways, that bolting thing, it's tough. And I hope that the information that we're putting out there, you know, we work hard to get these podcasts out to make our videos to add to the video library regularly, uh, add to the YouTube videos and, and social media, trying to get the education out there for you guys so that you don't have these troubles. I'm here to save you time. And that's something I say at all my clinics is I'm here to save you time. You know, I'm here to share the information uh, that I've learned from my experiences and my time. And also the information that I learned from my mentors that have a lot more time than I do. All right. Next question comes from Jamie Jellison in Ohio. Now, Jamie is one of our clinic hosts and we have a clinic coming up in Gloucester, Ohio in what is that uh one two about two weeks about two weeks we'll be in ohio um looking forward to to going for sure so uh jamie says hungry horse question for podcast hey tine sky our young horse tries to eat everything in sight on the trail here in ohio the green vegetation is often shoulder height it's annoying at least and downright dangerous when we are going down a steep hill What's your advice on breaking this bad habit? Thanks, Jamie. All right, Jamie. Uh, yeah, it is tough uh, for sure. Number one thing, and this is just minimal, okay, is make sure your animals are full up before you head out. Make sure they've had time to, you know, if you're going to ride out in the morning, make sure you're giving them enough time to finish up their breakfast. They've, they've, they've ate their hay and they filled up on some water. Uh, that's a big piece of it. Okay, um, it's tough. It's kind of like you go into the grocery store when you're hungry. You're going to try to buy everything in sight. And if they, if you can take them out on a nice green grass trail, uh, they're going to try to eat everything in sight. Okay, so first thing. Second thing is, you know, as you're riding through uh, 
if you're coming up on a meadow and, um, you know, you, you kind of know that you're going to have some trouble here, you, you might get the animal a little busier. Maybe you trot through that meadow. Now, I know when I go back east and I've ridden with Jamie and I've ridden with lots of people back east is sometimes that green grass is everywhere. See, out west, we're lucky. It only grows in little patches and where it gets a little water. So you can you can ride through a forest of pines and there is no grass for quite a long while until you get to a little meadow and, and there's quite a bit of grass. And, and so that method would work there. I might get busier through that meadow and trot through that meadow, lope through that meadow, uh, things like that. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people will pull back on the reins. And I don't recommend that. If you're going to use your rein, redirect the animal. So let's say you, you see some a, a clump of grass and it's hanging out to the left as you're going down this trail. You know the animal's going to go to the left for that. You might tip them to the right and roll the hindquarters around. You might leg yield them there to the right away from that grass. So at least you're getting some practice of some good maneuvers and some good things. That's better than you just jerking on the rain to block them. Now, if if that kind of stuff isn't as, as effective as you'd like it to be, the one thing that I have found to be very effective, but take note, it could and may get you bucked off if you are not careful. So the just... Listener, be advised what I'm about to say to you. If you have not prepped your animal and you don't have them quiet, you could get bucked off and could get killed here. <laughs> I'm not joking. Okay. So, uh, what I'll do, like, I, you know, usually I, a mule that's having this kind of trouble will, will be in the, it'll be in the snaffle bit phase for sure. And so I have my Makati, I have my reins, and then I have, uh, my lead rope that comes out from the snaffle bit there. Okay, and what I'll do is I'll just put that rope in my, maybe my right hand, and I swing that rope around, kind of like, just like I'm, I'm roping, you know, when I'm, when I'm at branding or something. And, because uh, my mules all need to be really good with my rope swinging, regardless, okay. So I'll just kind of swing that around, and when they go to take a bite, I'll just smack them on the neck, just right up on top of the mane. And it'll startle them. And this is what I'm saying, if you're not careful, if you haven't prepped them, or if you're not ready for, a little show, you you could get in some serious trouble. So you be careful with this. You got to smack them hard enough that it kind of startles them. Now, I'm not trying to put a welt on them, but you, you, you do need to kind of startle them when they go to bite that grass a little bit. And then I immediately go back to swinging my rope because I do not want my mule scared of my rope. Make sure you don't just smack them and then sit there with a quiet rope. You need to be swinging that rope like you're going to go go rope some, some calves and and be busy with it there. So anyways, I'll ride a little bit more and I go to bite. I'll smack them again just right on that main line. Anyways, I'll continue to do that. And if you're effective and you do less sooner, you get in there, get out, do enough that it startles them, uh, they will quit eating over a period of time. It has served me very well on a lot of mules that are really bad about eating and can get bad enough that they're kind of ripping the reins out of your hand to, you know, to, to try to eat. Uh, so do that. That'll be effective. But again, take note. Uh, you could get in trouble if you're not paying attention. If you smack them and they, they might blow up and bust in two uh, if you startle them like that. So anyways, if you're going to do that, be ready. So those are, that's kind of the, the phases I'd go through, Jamie, is get them busy, redirect them or, you know, give them a little smack with that at the end of that rain. 
I'll do anything anymore except for pull on those reins and pull on their mouth. A lot of people do that. You know, I'm trying to save that mouth and that lightness for all I can. Um, I need that for my future for sure. Okay. Uh, now a little thought for the day that, uh, I wanted just to share on here and I thought it'd be valuable for you guys. So, um, I keep my little mule journal and I write down quotes that I like or thoughts that I have, or, you know, um, things that come to mind, stuff like that. I write them down and I opened it up this morning and the first thing I saw was this quote. And I don't know who said this quote, but I have it in quotation marks. So I know I didn't make it up. Somebody else said it, but it says the two things in life you are in total control over are your attitude and your effort. And this is so important because, you know, as I was working the clinic there in Driggs, Idaho and, and, um, you know, maybe it was hot and it was a little squishy in the arena and, and conditions weren't as ideal. Um, and people weren't quite working how I would maybe want them to work. You know, I could have had a bad attitude about it and kind of been a little ornery and whatever, but I can control my attitude. So it's amazing if, if I put on a smile there and I have a positive attitude it seems to wear off on the participants for sure. And the same will go for you working with your mule. You know, everything might not be just how you want it to be. It might not be the best moment, uh, best day, but you you have a good attitude about it. That will reflect in your mule's behavior for sure. So you can control that attitude. The other thing you can control, like this quote says, is your effort. How hard you work at something, how how much effort, how much time, how much you put into this is your choice. It's your choice. It's up to you. So you want your mule to do A, B, and C? Well, you got to put in that time. You got to put in that effort. You got to work hard at it. Um, you've heard me talk about this before, but one of my favorite things about mules is there is no such thing as entitlement. It doesn't matter what family they're born into. It doesn't matter you know, how nice of a barn you give them. Uh, it doesn't matter how much you paid for that mule. You are not entitled to anything just because you put out money toward that mule. And a lot of people get that way. They say, well, geez, I paid, I paid $20,000 for this mule. It ought to do this and this and this and this. Well, you're not really entitled to that just because you wrote a check because you can. You have to earn these things with the animal. And earning these things takes effort. And that's what I'm rounding this back to is that effort. Put in the effort. You put in the effort to build your relationship. It's the same thing with us humans. You know, if you're if you're married, you know that it takes effort to make your marriage success. Just because you put a ring on it doesn't automatically mean that everything is going to go your way. You, you Just because you married the person doesn't mean that that it's all going to be just great for you. You have to put effort into to the relationship to keep things going. It's the same thing with you and your mule. You got to put effort into that relationship with your mule. You got to spend that time. You got to do those things that are needed. Um, you know, you got to work through those things that need to be worked through so that you can build that relationship. So anyways, I really appreciated that little thing this morning, reading that and it brought to mind those thoughts. The two things in life you are in total control over are your attitude and your effort. 
And with that, my friends, um, I sure appreciate you. Uh, today I was coming to you. I'm coming to you from the Freightliner studio here um, in Enterprise, Oregon, getting ready to work this clinic. And uh, anyways, if it's not too much to ask, you guys leave me a review. Let me know how you like the podcast. Let me know what you think. I'd love to hear your thoughts, especially if you're listening on Apple. Leave a five-star review. And uh, if you're not listening on Apple Podcasts, well, send me an email. You can email me ty at tsmules.com. And if you have a question that you would like featured on the show, make sure you put in the subject line question for podcast. Until next time, friends, God bless you, and we will see you down the road.